journey into the Bible and explore its hidden text and rich wisdom. Join Adol Kazilski Mondays at 1 p.m. for the trip of a lifetime. Shabua Tov, beautiful people. Hope everybody is well. It looks like summer is slowly creeping in. I'm feeling a little better. I hope you are too, but I always feel good when I am on the radio with you and spending the next three quarters of an hour learning my favorite, learning Torah, God's infinite wisdom that always gives us insight on how we should behave and what we should do and what is expected of us. For those of you that follow my show, we are in the middle of, well, not in the middle, but we're going to get on to the fourth plague in the land of Egypt. We're learning the book of Exodus, and we are learning um, one plague every single week. If you haven't, uh, you've missed some of the others, you might go back on, on highfm.com, look for my show, and you can get the podcast and follow up where we, you know, what, what we've done so far. So far, we've done Blood, frogs, lice. Now, this is for Kruger enthusiasts. Um, I don't think actually you'd want to see what, what poor old Pharaoh saw, um, but it looked like the whole Kruger National Park descended on the sandy dunes of Egypt. And we are going to go through the verses, see what actually happened, understand again the divine justice, the retribution, as to why God specifically chose to bring the plague in such a way, and then we are going to learn the psycho-spiritual reason as to why it, it, it came and what it is that we can learn from it, because as I said in every other podcast, um, it is incumbent upon us. We have got this verse, in every generation, that in every generation, one needs to consider oneself coming out of Egypt, Egypt being a metaphor for our constraints, for our limitations, for those things that hold us back. And um, when we go and see what happened in Egypt, it did happen on a macro level, to have divine retribution, to make God great, to get the Jews out. But every single day, we can actually learn a tremendous amount about how we can maybe leave some of our limitations, our constraints, um, our Egypts behind. So please hang around if, you, if you're sitting down and you're uh, having some lunch, um, you can open up chapter 8 of the book of Exodus. We're starting on verse 16. Now, as explained, um, in the last three, uh, three plagues, the first two plagues were announced. The third one um, wasn't. Now we're starting a cycle of another three plagues. And so this time, um, Pharaoh is going to get a warning. So I'm going to read a couple of verses, verses 16 to 19, along in. And as always, just by the way, if you have a question, if you have a comment, you want to know something um, that we're learning or any other question, you can SMS us on 34519 or you can give us a telegram message on 061-895-1019. God says to Moshe, Hashkem Baboker, get up early in the morning, and place yourself before Paro. He's going out again to the waters. If you recall, this happened, we, we learned about it initially when it came to the plague of blood, and we learned about the fact that um, everybody thought that Paro was a god, 
and he could had no way to relieve himself an ex-human, which he really was. He was actually quite a defiled human being. Um, and so what he used to do is he used to go very, very early in the morning to the river in order to attend to his bodily needs. So go there, because he's got to go out there. But Amarja love and say to him, Ko Amar Hashem, so says God, the famous words, Shlach Ami, the Ya Abdoni, let my people go so they may serve me. Ki im ein cha mishalach et ami, because if you don't send my people, hinani mashliach b'cha, I am going to send to you, uba abdecha, and to your servants, uba amecha, and to your entire nation, uba vatecha, and in your houses, et he arob, I am going to send, um, arob is like um, a bunch of, of beasts, thumbs of beasts. Umalu bate Mitzrayim, they're going to fill the houses of Egypt. They will be found in the houses of Egypt as well as on the ground that they that 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 the land that is surrounding it. Vehiflati by Yomahu et Eretz Goshen, but I'm miraculously going to um, divide or set apart the land of Goshen. What's so special about the land of Goshen? The land of Goshen is where the Jewish people lived. Asher ami omed alecha. That's where my nation finds itself. The vilti yocham orom. There will be no beasts there. The manteda. So you should know. Ki ani Hashem bekeravaretz. You'll know that I am the Lord your God, and I'm found in the midst of the land. I will make a sign of deliverance. You will see the difference. It will be black and white. Between my nation, and between your nation, this um, sign will take place tomorrow. So he really, really gave, um, he gave Paro quite an ultimatum that if you don't get your act together, you are going to find yourself in a lot of hot water. Now, Moshe needed to be to be encouraged to go to Paroi because he was probably quite a pretty scary um, chap. But um, Hashem reminded Moshe that he doesn't have to be afraid of him because he grew up in the palace and he was familiar with it. And right, the reason why he goes into the palace is for Moshe to see that every time he goes into the palace and he gives another warning and another plague comes, that this scariness, this awesomeness that people felt about walking into the palace of Paro was nothing. His whole glory was going to to go down. And Paro anticipated, he already had PTSD about this man Moses, okay? And um, he realized that, that Moses knew that he goes to the Nile to attend to his bodily needs. So he, he, he decided to change his time. So what God was saying to Moses, you've got to get up really early because Paro's changing the time and place of his daily morning excursions and he's going to get up much earlier than planned because he, he, he does want to meet you. Okay? Um, but go, go there. You'll find him exactly where um, he was the last time. I'll show you where his secret place is and, um, Wait for him over there. And now you will see that the tone of the plague coming up actually becomes far more severe. 
Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. This is 101.9 Hi FM. This is Adel Kozulski, and we are learning Torah together again. If you'd like to ask a question, three four five one nine oh six one eight nine five one zero one nine is our telegram number. And now let's see how the Kruger Park came to Pharaoh. Basically, what was going to happen now? The fourth. Um, plague is obviously the plague of beasts, and um, he is warned that there is going to be. And I don't know the exact word. Maybe a listener can can help me because you know you get different. You get schools of fish and prides of lions. I don't know what happens when you just get everything in Kruger Park coming. I'm just going to call it the hordes of animals. And um, if there is a correct <laughs> a correct wording, please help me out and let me know. So God, God was saying um, to uh, to to Moses to tell Pharaoh that your entire country is going to be overrun with hordes of animals. Well, what type of wild beasts? Well, the midrash is quite um, uh, descriptive. There were lions, tigers, wolves, bears, snakes, scorpions, wasps. Mosquitoes, crows, locusts, and all sorts of other creatures. Some of them even came out of the sea. And that, and to boot that, uh, the frogs and the lice that had devastated would join the party too. So it was a terrifying mixture of harmful creatures in this in in in, um, in the world. Um, now, not only did these animals suddenly appear or, or get transported to Egypt? Because remember, everything that I've, all these animals that I've just told you, they don't, they don't really exist anywhere in Egypt. Egypt is a desert place. They got transported with the, them and the very jungles in which they lived. Everything suddenly became transplanted into Egypt and Egypt became a jungle teeming <laughs> with all these deadly Creatures. And that's why when we read the verse, it says over here that I'm going to send it um, to you, to your servants, to your, to, to your nation, to your houses. Their houses will be filled with it. And even the land upon which uh, they are. So these throngs of animals would just fill up all the Egyptian houses. Okay, um, and they, 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 it says, this, one Midrash actually goes and says that the jungle started growing in their houses. It was absolutely horrific. And what God does is that he makes a very clear distinction and he spares the land of Goshen where the Jews lived. No wild beasts went there. Okay, and this was to teach something very important. Until now, and you'll see a little bit later when we talk about it, Pharaoh thought that God, our God, was a God of the desert, okay? And that all of these things had nothing to do with the fact that he had dominion on Egypt. Now what God was saying is that you will see that in your very land, I'm not a God of the desert, I am the God, period. I can function on earth, I can function on sea, I can function in a supernatural way, in a natural way. I am, I am Hashem. So, what would happen is that um, 
God was also trying to drive the idea of Hashkocha Pratis, of the fact that God looks after each and everything in a, in the world in a personal way. And this is a very, very powerful lesson and for us to understand. I've spoken about it so many times, but it, it bears repetition and repetition and repetition because we tend to get so hit up when something not good happens to us and we blame that not good thing, person, circumstance, place on it. But understand if God... If God manages the whole world, then he's managing what's happening to you. And if it came into your space, then it is because you needed to learn a lesson. So what he went and did is he showed this very, very profoundly in, in, this, in this plague. Because if a Jew would go into Egyptian territory, he would be able to walk amongst all the deadly creatures and he wouldn't be harmed. And only the Egyptians would be attacked. The vice versa also happened. So let's just look at verse 20. That is confirmation of what happened because the Pharaoh listened. As you know, he did not. By Yas Hashem came, God did this. The Yabo Arov Kabed Beta Paro. Huge throngs, huge like masses of wild animals attacked. Where? The first place was Paro's palace. Ubevet Avadav, and then the homes of his servant. Ubechol Eretz Mitzrayim, and in the entire land of Egypt. Tshachet Haaretz Bitei Haarev. The entire Egypt was devastated by these beasts. The, enti- the land was ruined by this plague. You can just imagine um, the droppings <laughs> of these foreign animals. It killed many plants and, uh, and trees. Now, we always ask the question, why did God punish the Egyptians so? Well, for a few reasons. One reason is that um, the Midrash tells us is that the Egyptians liked to have and keep up very nice zoos. And the way that they, they kept that up was they used to send the Jews on dangerous expeditions into the deserts, into the jungles to try capture animals for them. And so they didn't care that if a Jew went into the jungle, got eaten by the lion, well, so be it. They just did it to, to torment them. So now the zoo has come to Egypt. That was one meta connected meta. It was also a fitting punishment for Paro's pan, uh, practice of bathing in the blood of Jewish children. If you recall, when we were talking about how bad the servitude was, is that he used to kill 150 babies in the morning and then another 150 every evening because he was filled with with this lice, with this skin condition, and he believed that if he bathed in blood, it would help him. So now God gave him the animals, and the animals were responsible for avenging such cold-blooded murders, Right? And we are told um, in the Gomorrah that if a person um, has is 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 a cold-blooded murderer, is a person who innocently goes, I mean, who on purpose um, spills innocent blood, if he's not caught by the courts, um, he will probably be punished and he will die by wild beasts. Another reason, Meda Kenegad Meda, for this plague was because. Because when the, uh, because of, because of, because of their servitude, of their, um, their being imprisoned and having to serve the Egyptians, the Israelites could no longer tend their flocks 
when they came to Egypt, they were shepherds and they had many, many flocks. Without shepherds, what happens to the flocks? They're torn to pieces by wild animals. And so now this was a midder connected midder, but now the wild animals were coming in and tearing, tearing the place apart, tearing everything that the Egyptians had to pieces. Um, another divine retribution was the fact that the Jews tried very, very hard in Egypt to keep meat and milk, to keep the laws of kashrut. Okay. But the Egyptians in their, um, nastiness forced them to eat milk and meat cooked together. Um, and so because they made the Jews partake of this, of the, of this forbidden, forbidden structure, God caused wild beasts to come to places where he previously forbidden them to enter. So you want to break the laws of nature. You don't want to allow the Jews to keep separation of meat and milk. Well, now there's going to be no separation in nature. There's going to just be a jungle. There's going to be a Kruger National Park um, in the middle of a desert. And so these beasts defied the laws of nature um, and came into places where you would never, ever find them. Now, another miracle that happened was that because of all these beasts, lions, tigers, wolves, bears, snakes, scorpions, generally we know that when we go out into the wild, each animal sticks to themselves. A miracle happened here, and they came in peace together to terrorize the Egyptians. So the level of Hashgacha, the level of divine providence of God writing this entire thing, you actually had to go back and say, this isn't nature. This is this is God's hand because animals don't behave that way. They stay generally where they have to stay. They don't, you know, come into to environments where they, 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 they can't thrive or live. And basically what happened was that the entire Egypt was terrorized, okay? And they got very nervous. So when they saw that the animals didn't attack the Jews, the Egyptians would ask them, to escort them when they went out to the fields. And they would ask the Jews, please can you look after our children? But it didn't really help. Why? Because it was as if the animals could smell. They could sense who an Egyptian was and who was a Jew. And even if the Egyptian walked in the middle of a group of Jews, the animals would single out the Jew and attack him. When the Egyptians hid in their Israelite homes, they still were not immune to attack. And we are told further in the Midrash, quite unbelievably, that when the Egyptians saw the animals coming, they, they ran into their houses, they bolted their windows, they tried to seal their houses to prevent the animals from attack. But huge octopuses and squid, giant squids, came up from the depth of the sea, crawled into Egypt, crawled over the houses, tore the roofs off with huge tentacles, and then they would reach into the house with the tentacles, pulling out screaming Egyptians, and they really, really caused a lot of destruction. And this is where God says, I am going to place a pedut, like a redemption, a distinction between my people and your people. You, the Egyptians, are going to pay the price. But here is the most interesting thing and um, quite a, 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 a scary idea. And I know that... Um, we're, we're, we're looking today and we're seeing so much destruction in our world. I can't but help think that we are reliving through the, the plagues again um, in, in, in a horrible way. But 
One of the other reasons for this plague, we are told in the Midrash, was because of the terrible sexual immorality that existed amongst the Egyptians. We're told that they would hold orgies where 10 men would be with one woman, 10 women with one man. They broke down all the bounds of decency. And so what happened then, God had no option but to break down the the, the, the bonds of nature because they mixed sexually in forbidden ways. God mixed animals in ways they would normally uh, be prevented to do by natural law. So they really, really um, suffered from this plague in a tremendous way. Now, a very interesting um, just thing to think about, that when the plague, plague of frogs came, they struck the common people first, and then they went to Paro's officials. And you can see that if you go back to chapter 7, verse 29, where it talks about the frogs, it says there, the frogs shall come against you, your people, and your servants. And the same thing, is with the plague of lice. But in the case now of the wild animals, the officials in Paro uh, got attacked first and then the common people. Because God says, I will send wild beasts against you, your servants, and your people. Why the distinction? Well, the initial impetus um, to to uh, subjugate the Jewish people did not come from um, from 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 Pharaoh's officials, it actually came from the masses. The officials were only then following the will of the people. But when it came to drowning the Israelite infant, uh, infants, the initiative came from the officials, and the people were just following the orders. So when Egyptians were actually killed by the plagues, as as in the case of this now, the beasts, and you'll see later on there is a, 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 a boils plague and the death of the firstborn, Paro's officials were struck first. When the plagues were not deadly, like the frogs, the lice, the boils, the locusts, the darkness, then the masses were struck first. But nevertheless, in all cases, the first one to suffer was Paro. And that was a lesson, because as king, the primary responsibility was always his. So you can just imagine when Kruger National Park is on your doorstep and there are animals coming left, right, and center everywhere. It must have been frightening. Okay, um, they were they were causing so much destruction. It was. It, it, I, I, I just I actually cannot even allow my mind to think how terrible it was. So what happens? By Yikra Paroel Moshe Aaron, he calls Moshe and Aaron. By Yomer and he says, Lechu, go! Zifru lelokehem ba'aretz. Why am I reading the Hebrew? Because listen what he says. He says, you go, you can sacrifice to your God in the land. That's not what they asked him. They said they want to go into the desert. Yeah, he was saying, okay. You want to do all you want to do sacrifice to God? All right, do it right here in Egypt. Why do you have to go out into in, into the desert? And truthfully, Paro's offer is very surprising because after the plagues of frogs, he already said to them, let the people leave and sacrifice in the desert. Suddenly now he had a cognitive dissonance. He forgot all about it. And he was making a, a lesser um, offer. Okay? And here it is where he he realizes that 
in the beginning, he thought that this Hebrew God was a desert God. And that's why he had no choice but to let the Jews go to the desert to sacrifice it. Now, when he's seeing that God is actually running the show in his land, then why do you have to go to the desert? Your God's right here. You can go and uh, sacrifice to your God just as well at Goshen. It looks like he's all over the world, right? No sweat. No problem. By Yom Moshe, Moshe says to him, Lo nachon. This is not suitable. This is not good. Last thought came to do, to, to do as you say. Ki to avat mitzrayim nizbach la Hashem elokeinu. We are going to sacrifice. Um, and it uses the word to eva, which is an abomination. Um, loosely translated, it will be things that are sacred, um, to the Egyptians. Hey nizbach it to avat mitzrayim le'enehem velo yiskelunu. We are going to be sacrificing things that you find absolutely abhorrent. Um, and we're going to be doing it in front of the Egyptian eyes. You don't think they're going to stone us. We have to go three days into the desert. And that is where we will sacrifice to Hashem, our God, just as he told us. So what does it mean that um, we are going to be sacrificing the abomination of Egypt? Well, sheep were very, very sacred to the Egyptians, okay? And that's exactly what the Jews were going to go sacrifice. And um, because the sheep were so, so they, they were they were considered a god, the Egyptian religion at that point in time demanded strict vegetarianism. They avoided all animal products, even eggs, even cheese. And anybody who ate meat was considered disgusting to the Egyptians. If a fruit or vegetable came in contact with any animal product, the, the Egyptian would refuse to eat it. Vessels used by people who ate meat were considered unclean by them. That's why we saw when Potiphar, Potiphar wouldn't let Joseph touch the bread in his house. So that's Moshe's argument. You want us to sacrifice in the midst of the land something that you consider completely sacred? Um, which in truth is an abomination because we do not believe in our Zorah, we do not believe in idol worship. Um, it's impossible. God has told us to go into the desert and that's where we must offer sacrifice to him. This is 101.9 Chai FM. Chai FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Okay, so what does Paro say when Moshe gives him that argument? Yome Paro, Paro says, Anochi ashalach etchem. I will send you. Zavachtem la Hashem elokechem. And you can serve, um, the Lord your God, Bamidbar in the desert. Rak harchek. Just don't go too far away. You can go in the desert, just don't go far away. And interestingly, he's getting desperate already and it's only, um, number four. He says, pray for me. <laughs> Why is he saying pray for you, for me? Well, there's a quick story um, in the Gomorrah about an emperor who was a notorious Jew hater. And the Jews suffered so much from him that every day they would pray that he would die. And finally his demise came. And his son took his place and he turned out to be worse than his father. One day the young emperor, the new one, encountered a Jew in the streets. And he asked him, I want you to tell me the truth. What is your opinion of me? The Jew was completely terrified, but replied to the new emperor, my fervent hope is that you live long. What? Says the emperor, 
You stupid Jew, don't you realize that I hate you even worse than my father? I can do everything, I will do everything in my power to make life miserable for you Jews. How can you hope that I live long? So the Jew replied, well, when your father was alive, we constantly prayed that he would die. And we hoped that his successor would have been better. But now we see that you're even worse than your father. We'd rather see you live long than take chances of your successor. Same thing here with Paroi. Pray for me. What he was saying is pray for me that I live long because who knows what my successor will be. Maybe he'll be worse than I. Now, if you look again, and I always encourage people to look at the wording, Paro had said, Anochi ashalach etchem uzvachtem lahashem. I am sending you, and you can uh, sacrifice in the desert. What he really, his intention there was that you, you, Moses and Aaron can go, not the people. And Moshe picks up on that, that nuance. By Yom Moshe, Moshe says, anochi imach. I'm going to leave your presence. Hatarti et el Hashem. I will pray to God. I will make sure that the beasts will leave Paro, your servants and your people tomorrow. Rak al Yosef Paro, but let Paro never deceive us again. You're refusing to let the people sacrifice, uh, sacrifice. Don't play this game with me. Don't say you're allowing me and my brother to go and um, sacrifice you and the truth of the matter is that Paro plays that same game again after the hail, the locusts and the darkness, you'll say I'll send you without explicitly saying that he will send the people he leaves the presence of Paro he prays to God God does what Moshe asks all the uh, beasts um, leave. Paroi and his servants and his uh, and the people, the Lonishar Echad, not one single one of them left. And ladies and gentlemen, the story ends the same. And Paro then again hardened his heart this time as well. Once again, he does not send the people. Hi, what a stubborn man, and maybe what stubborn people we are. Because when we live in this world, and God comes knocking at our door, we always find an excuse as to why you can't, you won't, it's not right, not the right time, it's not the right place, and the whole idea behind this uh, plague was to teach us, number one, that God runs the world. Today we look out in the news and we see devastating things happening. Every one of them is happening by the word of God. Nothing is happening by mistake. And that's very, very important. But let's just discuss a little bit more the analogy of wild beasts. While we can understand the wild beasts coming for retribution, for uh, the Egyptians for what they did, and, and I've explained that. Let's understand on a psycho-spiritual level, what a wild beast, the plague of wild beasts, have to do with me and my life, my constraints, my limitations, my Egypt. Well, in Kabbalah, the wild beasts 
represent ambition. We've spoken and we've gone through um, the the uh, what you call us through the plagues, and um, we've spoken about the fact that uh, blood was about confidence, the frogs was about attachment, lice was about submission. Now the devouring beast is about ambition. And what is ambition? Ambition is really one of the greatest gifts in life, is it not? Because ambition is the engine that gets a person to achieve greatness. You're able to get up and make a difference in the world. And Torah doesn't ever negate any of these things, confidence, attachment, all of these things, Torah doesn't negate. But you have free choice how to use your ambition. If the ambition is pushing you to go and be the best that you can be and bring the best to the world and make a difference to the world, as I say, kudos to you. But if we don't refine this character trait, if we don't use it in the service of God, you know what, peeps? Our ambitions turns us into devouring beasts. We then go on a rampage like a wild animal. We'll crush people. We'll destroy people who are standing in the way of the fulfillment of our goals. And it becomes a very, very unpleasant place to live. And when we look at the world today and we look at the politics and we look all over the world, not only politically, but across the world, you will find people who are literally behaving like devouring animals. They will do whatever it takes to fulfill their ambitions. And generally, their ambitions are ambitions of glory and of power and of money and of manipulation. And so we have this entire underworld, and not so much underworld, even open, open-ended, where people will go and manipulate, steal, falsify, talk absolute garbage to the normal man in the street because he is like a devouring beast who's, and, 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 and he doesn't really care um, about the repercussions. That's what the plague of wild beasts is all about. This is 101.9 Chai FM. Chai FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. And so we finish up the show with absolutely understanding that the way God wants us to behave is to recognize that he runs this world in its entirety and everything in it, including yourself and all circumstance that you find yourself in. And that it is incumbent upon us to go out into the world and make this a dirabatachtonim, a dwelling place for God, to make this place a better place for us, our families, our, our cities, our communities, the country, the world. But we have to be very, very careful that we don't become animalistic about it, that we start listening to our Yetzirah, to our evil inclination or our animal soul and become like devouring beasts that go and destroy humanity just for the need of fame and power. And that's the thought that I'm going to leave with you today and wish you a beautiful Shavua Tov ahead and I'll be back same time, same place next week. This is 101.9 High FM.